you know, Rachel, long ago are the days where all we cared about was sustainable packaging or recyclable bottles or cans. We have taken this now to such a higher level when it comes to beauty products and cosmetics. And it's interesting because today's guest, Deb Millard, we're talking some of her brands that are focused on older women. And this wasn't a conversation that you had years ago for people 30 plus, 35 plus, 40 plus. And now all those people are either in menopause or have gone through it, but it's down to what is the ingredient? Where does it come from? How is it sourced? Every piece of packaging, everything in the supply chain. And I think it's important because it really raises the standards for everybody. It does have an impact on price for sure. From a transparency perspective, I think it's the more information you have about what you're buying and what you're using and where it came from, the better off you are to make an informed choice. Absolutely. And it's really refreshing and interesting to hear that her children who are adults living outside the home are so influential with their opinions about the planet and sustainability and that this had such an impact on her in her decision making with Amaris. Yeah, I love that how there's a back and forth. Her children are learning from her from a business perspective and she's learning from them in addition to the all the other parent-child interactions, but really creating a conversation, which we've talked about often, is really the most important, is having a dialogue, as she says, being able to say the word vagina, knowing the difference, as you said, between vulva and vagina. We, we say a thousand times a day on an average day, and I think we're a little bit immune to it, but it continues to be so important to be able to have these conversations across generations, across genders. Let's talk to Deb and see what she has to say. Welcome to the Business of the V. Hello, friends and colleagues. I'm Dr. Alyssa Dweck. And I'm Rachel Braunschirl. Each week, we bring you the most fascinating investors, inventors, entrepreneurs, academics, and healthcare practitioners who are making things happen in women's sexual and reproductive health. If you are a woman, know a woman, have a business or care about your V health and wellness, fasten your seatbelts and listen in to another informative and inspiring episode. We are so happy to welcome our guest today, Deb Millard, who's the brand president of Stripes and Healthy Aging Brands at Amaris, which is a big title and there's a lot of stuff going on under that heading. Welcome. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me look forward to having the conversation. So we always are interested how people get from wherever they were to women's health, to the heart of the storm and the heart of what we talk about. Your previous role before this was at Amazon. What happened there? What did you experience there that made you say you wanted to make the jump over here or that those skills would be particularly relevant in what you're yeah. trying to do at Amherst? Yeah. Interestingly enough, I've been in retail my whole career doing strategic planning, buying, always on the corporate side for companies like Williams-Sonoma, Gap, Sephora. And at times that journey is really tied with the time of life that I'm in. So for example, when I owned my own business, it was a children's furniture accessory store. I was having kids at that time. So it really aligned with where I was. Amazon was incredible because it's very large scale. Everything's happening very quickly. You're working with a lot of great minds, really driving some 
crazy innovation. Lots of really great learnings. I went there and I was on the fashion side, bringing new brands onto the Amazon platform. We were working on programs, further develop our point of view when it came to fashion. And then I found myself towards the end, right before I, I took on this role, working with the Amazon Go, which is the technology of take it, grab it, and just walk out the door. Got to do a lot of really fun things. But as I started to think about that next chapter, it really aligning back to that mission to where I am in my life really made a lot of sense for me. So when I started having the conversations with Amaris and talking about menopause and getting into that realm of things, it really just resonated because it is where I am in my life. My kids are gone out of the house, college and doing their thing really freed me up to think about what do I treasure most in my life? And it's my relationships with my kids, with my husband, with my girlfriends. And as I learned more about this, and I was going through my own journey, thinking about how underserved we are, that it takes a lot of education even to get in front of a doctor and have the right conversation so that it serves you. When we're talking about menopause and all of the different symptoms and all of the things that happen and the fact that it actually starts pretty early in your journey and you don't really even realize what's happening, it just felt like a real opportunity in a space where I could get involved, bring my skills from my very long retail career and apply it to something that I'm passionate about. That's awesome. And Amaris is an interesting company. It's a compilation. Yeah. Amaris is all about science and we're doing amazing technology around molecules. We are able to take basically a molecule from creation to the shelf. And there's not a lot of companies that can do that. And then our big story is that we're doing it sustainably, right? When people say organic or when they say natural, that doesn't mean that you're not harming the earth in doing the things that you're doing, right? Because harvesting from a tree is harmful to trees. Harvesting from a shark's liver is harmful to a shark. Amaris has been able to develop technologies where we can replicate molecules in a lab with a very small footprint. We do it sugarcane fermentation. So sugarcane grows super fast and it takes a very small footprint. So we're able to continuously renew on that and even use the old sugarcane, the fuel that we need in order to create the fermentation process. When you put all of that together, we're not doing harm. We're not compromising our environment and we're creating really efficacious molecules that help people live better lives with squalene. That's something that's been used in cosmetics. We're now probably the largest provider of squalene for all kinds of brands. And it is an amazing emollient that really hydrates and protects the skin. When we were looking to launch Stripes, same type of thing. What is a molecule that we can use that is either too expensive, not scalable, et cetera, and use it in a way that will serve this population of women. That's where we came up with ectoine. And now we combine ectoine and squalene. We've also done another molecule that is a sugar derivative. And Amaris is constantly working on developing new molecules that serve people for the better without compromising our environment. So it's all about science. It's everything we do is powered by science. Very and you had mentioned shark liver oil. Yeah. And I just want everyone to know that wasn't random. Can you define what squalene is? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so squalene is derived from shark's livers. Also, it can be plant derived. It can be derived from olive trees. No matter which way you look at it, you're impacting. You're either killing sharks to get it or you're destroying olive trees to get it. The fact that we're able to do it through this fermentation process, it's as efficacious, it's incredibly clean, and it's more scalable. I think we're also able to reduce costing and we make it more accessible to everyone. I always laugh because patients often will tell me it's got to be safe, it's natural. And I always come back with the so is cyanide and arsenic naturals. <laughs> we have to be careful how we phrase things. So 
I want to understand how we go from a molecule to clinical use and how are these ingredients or molecules studied in actual people? Because that it sounds very new age and super interesting and well studied, but how is it translated to a human? Yeah. All of our molecules basically mimic the molecule that is naturally existing. So from that perspective, there is no difference in the molecule makeup. Something has already been studied and safe. We look to mimic that exact same molecule in the way that it lives in nature. But aside from that, we also do clinical studies with people and everything that we do. We run clinical studies for all of our formulas and for our molecule. Like even when you take the molecule on its own, that might be safe, but then you put it together with a bunch of other cosmetic ingredients. We do clinical studies that involve human beings testing over between a six to a three month time period to assess for efficacy, safety, any reactions, everything we do goes through that process. That's very reassuring. We talk a lot about in clinical practice, so I know you have naturally derived fragrance. What we worry about are phthalate. These are chemicals that are likely endocrine disruptors can really potentially have some fairly significant endocrine effects for people who identify as women for sure, and maybe fertility and maybe reproductive life and possibly even some medical ailments. How are you getting around? Is this a replacement for fragrance, for example, to try to mitigate those risks that come along with the usual fragrance ingredients? You're talking about fragrance that we might put in our products or? Yeah. Like I looked at some of your products are having to do with fragrance. You have a natural. Yeah, we do have a natural. Yep. So those actually we're working with, and we do create some fragrance molecules, but for this, we worked with an outside fragrance expert that looks at all of this. And we want all of our products to be EWR, sorry, EWG compliant. Yeah. We, all of our products have also been given to EWG for them to go through all of it, to make sure that our ratings are coming in that three or under range. Happy to report that we're basically there in all of it, just because we want to make sure for ourselves that sometimes these things can combine together and be precursors to other things. And we need to know that we make sure that all of our products are EWG compliant. Where do you draw the line between beauty or cosmetics and medical? Or do you not really cross into the medical? We really try and stay away because we really are an over-the-counter product. We're not doing anything that is prescription. I think the craziest we get is like SPF, which has some more stringent and other regulatory requirements. Right now, that is our space. But there are things, for example, the lubes in our line, the two products that we have, a vaginal moisturizer and then a vaginal lubricant. You can't really call them lubricants because the lubrication is considered K device. Yes. Yeah. And it has to be cleared by the FDA. We are going through FDA clearance on that too, because we want to be able to talk about things the way that they're intended and make sure that we're providing women with all of the safety and information that they deserve. I love all the brands that you've worked with. I've been a customer of all of those. So I can only imagine how many people called you and wanted to know when there was a big sample sale or anything else. But I really love the idea that you wanted to always be working with products that you could relate to given the stage of life that you were in. Obviously, you talked about being of menopausal age. How did you make the connection? There are lots of obviously new celebrity brands, not just in menopause, but in skincare. What was the catalyst for the relationship with Naomi Watts and the co-founding of Stripes? Yeah, I think the first thing was Amaris, getting with a company where their mission was aligned. My kids, that's all they talk about is 
we're killing the earth, we're killing our environment, we need to stop this. That conversation, I think, sparked a lot of interest for me because it aligned with where I felt my kids wanted me to be going, where I want to be. I want to be a part of the solution, not continue to be a part of the problem. And if I'm going to continue to sell products to people, I want to do it in a way that feels like I am doing the least harm possible. That was number one. And the second part was connecting with Naomi and having that conversation and really understanding that this wasn't just like a celebrity moment for her. This was true lived experience that she started to go through in her late 30s, trying to get pregnant, getting pregnant, then from pregnancy right to menopause and all of the symptoms that she felt, which were a lot, anything from dry skin to thinning hair to all of it. It really felt very genuine to me and the mission that she wanted to go after. And for me, it was, I'm all in, but let's find the so what. I don't want to just launch a line just for the sake of launching. There's many skincare lines out there. And for me, that so what was the Actoene. The Actoene is an incredible ingredient that basically takes hydration to where it needs to be. And what Actoene really does, I'll get a little bit more scientific with it. We all have perfectly beautiful, rounded proteins when we're young and things are working the way that they should. And when we start to lose that estrogen, we start to lose our ability to retain water, our ability to retain oils, collagen, et cetera. And our proteins start to go from this nice round to like a spaghetti type shape, which now they're not working to help you regenerate your skin and keep all of those layers healthy. What Actoene does is it can really get into that layer and go right to the proteins and draw water to where it's needed. It takes the spaghetti-like proteins now and turns them back into those nice fluffy round proteins and keeps the water there. It's a really great way to hydrate. And then when you put squalene on top of that, it's almost like a boiling pot, right? And when you take the lid off, the water boils out and then your pot gets all crackled and dry. But when you put the lid on it, everything that you're doing now with that boiling water, it's nicely bubbling and working the way that it should. So that's what ectoene and squalene do together. And with hydration being such a major problem for women going through estrogen, we thought this was, we want to provide that good foundation. It's not about anti-aging or anti-anything. It's about let's give you the best foundation that you can and hydrated skin is a good foundation. Then if you want to use our products also have results, right, for in our clinicals for wrinkles, for mm -hmm. lots of for plumping, for skin laxity, but really what we're most concerned about our ability to hydrate from the inside out. How does this connect. differ from hyaluronic acid, which is, of course, all the rage right now in so many cosmetics and lubricants and moisturizers? Yeah. Hyaluronic acid is still a really great moisturizer, but it behaves differently than the ectoene in how it is able to retain water around the protein. I think I read it as it's more efficacious. I think the number is five. I could be wrong. I don't have the data right in front of me, but it is more. Some of our, for example, some of our face creams also have hyaluronic acid. Mm -hmm. We're trying to just, that we're going to give you everything we can to make you as hydrated as possible. The other thing that we're finding, and we're doing clinicals around ectoene, so we're not calling it out, but I think we're going to get there pretty quick is its ability to deal with inflammation as well. So here's today's hot flash. A CBS News report in 2021 suggested that more than half of the cosmetics sold in the U.S. and Canada likely contain high levels of toxic industrial compounds linked to health conditions. Lisa, you have people, I use the same expression that Deb did, that your practice has evolved as you have evolved mm -hmm. on through your life. When you were having babies and even after you were delivering babies, now that you're a little bit older, you're, the majority of your patient population has aged with you. And 
for those who haven't had the chance to know you, you take a much more holistic, comprehensive approach to care. I'm curious how often things around skincare, hair loss, and those kinds of issues come up in your office. I know you're talking to women in menopause every day and they're having all kinds of concerns. For sure. They often, the 34 symptoms of menopause, I'm sure there's way more than that, depending on who you speak to. But look, patients come in and do complain about hair loss, which is something that they typically will present to their gynecologist for. And whether it's losing clumps of hair or thinning hair or just a changing texture of the hair, this is something that's very concerning because it's external and it's outwardly visible. And that's why I think something that's top of mind for lots of my menopausal women. Skin, I think just goes into, yes, gynecologists will hear about complaints regarding dry skin or just that their skin is looser or more lax or not what it used to be. But I really feel like dermatology is the field that women go to for that. And that is their first stop. We're just an after, oh, by the way, thanks for doing my pap smear. Do you have any suggestions for my skin? A little bit less of a common complaint in the gynecology office. What about around vaginal dryness? That's uh, bread and <laughs> let, butter, let me turn on says. my recording. Yeah. yeah, because that's a constant complaint. And I credit podcasts and media and whatnot for really bringing this to the forefront of people's minds. Because even a couple of years ago, this wasn't a comfortable topic for yeah. so many practitioners to talk about, for patients to talk about, or really for anybody to talk about. And that has truly changed. Which is great. We're talking as much as we possibly can about our vaginal products, because you have to say the word vagina. If you don't say it, then people can't get comfortable with it. That's been an area where we're trying to spend a lot of time just talking about to get women comfortable. Yeah, I will say I speak vagina. Obviously, I'm a gynecologist. Never had a problem with that. But people do look at me funny from time to time. There's a real difference between the vagina and the vulva. And I often find myself educating my patients and basically anybody who will listen as to the difference because they are different different types of organs. We can't talk about building a women's health business without talking about the realities of figuring out how to get your message out there and some of the limitations you face trying to get your message on social channels. Have you experienced that? Have you figured out a workaround as some companies have? Yeah. So right now we haven't had too much of a problem. I think we're small still, so nobody's really picked up on us yet. And you come Uh, with the science piece first. so Exactly. But we will be going into places like Amazon and Sephora and potentially other channel partners. We do need to figure out how we get around some of, because I know Amazon then immediately put you into the sexual wellness and you're hidden in a corner and it's, we're almost creating the same thing for sexual wellness as we did for plus size women, where they always went in the back of the store and nobody could find you. I haven't heard that analogy. That's amazing. I like that. Yeah. But on yeah. the other hand, again, this is not a clinical issue, but even in department stores, Saks or Nordstrom or whatnot, there is a sexual wellness department that's pretty visible. I credit that. Yeah. It's I think we're becoming started, more comfortable exactly. with this. And that is relatively new. Nordstrom launched that in January, 2020, Bloomingdale's came on and Zach's and Nordstrom. And from my understanding, nobody has it in store right now. Everybody has, some of them had it in store and now everybody is doing it online. And I think it's a bit of a wait and see. Let's see how it does. People are used to coming in here to buy mascara and shoes and pocketbooks and outfits. Let's see if we can get them in the store. I think that's a really important, and I know we're seeing it in mass retail, as you described. 
certainly in the Targets and Walmarts yes. and even Sephora's of the world. That yeah. is all great. And they're part. actually even starting to not just have it be all over the place. They're starting to make actual categories, which all of these are positive changes because it does require its own category. It shouldn't just be like sitting with the condoms. Of course. The other thing that I noticed, especially you have such an influential person who's really the face of yeah. some of the Stripes products. The standard menopausal woman from years back would look like a hunched over yeah. older person maybe with kerchief on their head and a cane and whatnot, suggesting really just advanced osteoporosis more than what menopausal women look like at this time, which is vibrant and energetic and beautiful. And yes, maybe they need a little more skin cream or hair treatment, <laughs> but I digress. Are you all direct to consumer and how are you really getting the word out, especially with the limited saying verbiage that we're allowed to yeah. use? We were able to build a pretty large community on Instagram. I think we're about a, over 110,000 and growing. We also have our hotspot, which is also growing nicely. We have about, I don't know, 3,000-ish, which we just launched, which is, it'll be more of a walled community where you have to sign in. So it's a little bit more protected to have deeper conversations and more engagement with the community. We've also have Oz guides on our website, as well as digital magazine that we've launched called Adulted where we're working with the medical community and menopause experts to really bring forth articles and information based on what our community is telling us that they want to hear about. We're trying on some of it, we're very light and trying to be fun. Other, we're going deeper into some of the topics, but we're co-authoring a lot with the medical community. Do you have a medical advisory board or? We do. We have a medical doctor, an OBGYN. And then we also, her name is Dr. Lizelle LaFollette. And then we also have Dr. Zand, who's our dermatologist on board. And then we have lots of brand friends like Kelly Casperson, who's a sexual wellness expert. We've got Mary Claire Haverson, who's also has built her own community, right? But she's been a great friend to the brand in terms of general questions. She's also just written a book, which has been really well received on nutrition. We try to align ourselves as much as we can with the experts because we are not the experts. What we're trying to do is start a conversation and provide as much education and information based on real facts. Can you help us understand, Deb, where the business is? You obviously, Amaris is a collection of brands. And for the ones that you're talking about, where are they in terms of their market development and commercialization? Yeah, Stripes just launched in October. Lots of plans, obviously, channel partners, Amazon, continued growth on direct-to-consumer. We, like I said, with Adulted and Hotspot, we really want to be reaching out to the community. So becoming much more involved in different communities with different events. And we also have Mental Labs, which is a brand that was acquired by Amaris which that's more in the supplement space. So we are working also more on the naturopathic side of the wall because not everybody is going to take HRT, not everybody. People need different ways to solve different problems. But I think what unifies everything that we do at Amaris is we want to be really careful that what we're putting out there is going to be safe for the women that are interacting with it. Lots of testing, lots of trials, and even with Mental Labs, which is a company we acquired, we've just basically put all of their products through a huge audit process to make sure that everything in there is what it's supposed to be, that it's safe, that there's no allergens. And if there are, that we call them out. And so important. That, yeah. And with the Stripes supplements, because we do have some supplements there, we're basically trying to take the approach of farm to supplement there so that everything that is in there is traceable and the most efficacious, the best quality and really traceable. 
What's really interesting is having worked in this space for a long time, if you were talking about menopause years ago, 10, 12, 15 years ago, you didn't even think about sustainability. You didn't even think about the impact on the environment because that wasn't a criteria historically that menopausal women cared about. Yeah. But a, a lot of things have happened. Like you said, you're influenced by the attitudes your kids have about what our generation has done to their planet. Yeah. And people of all ages use lubricants and of all ages use skincare. Yes. The idea is it really does add a layer and an important layer of responsibility to the world. And again, you didn't have to think about that 15 yeah. years ago. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. How do you like continue this conversation? Because if now our women are getting more comfortable and our channel partners, meaning stores are getting more comfortable, we need to now bring the men on. They need to be a huge part of this conversation as well to really round everything out. And your kids, like basically everyone around it, every woman's going to go through menopause. If you are a woman and at one point or another, whether it be chemically induced because you've had cancer or because you're of the right age or whatever, you're going to go through menopause. It impacts us women, but really it impacts everybody around us as well. If we're not feeling well, people around us know it. It is interesting. I was at a conference recently where there are a bunch of founders and entrepreneurs and investors, and we were talking about building businesses in this space. And a physician on the panel said, here's how you get men to care about incontinence. You tell him how if they have a female partner, it interferes with their ability to conduct their life or to go to a movie with their partner. And (laughs) four of us on the panel were pretty much laughing out loud saying, I'm sorry, you can't go to a movie because she had a baby or she's in menopause and she's leaking and hasn't figured out a solution. (laughs) But it is really critical to make sure the men are in the conversation. I read something today that said, we need to teach boys about menstruation because uninformed boys about menstruation become uninformed men about menstruation and they could have daughters and partners and should really have a better understanding. And I think that certainly with menopause, which seems to have exploded, at least in the conversations, in the workplace, in the, there's just, you can't avoid getting more educated. We won't stand for anymore that people don't know anything about what women are going through. Yeah. And the girls too, right? Like my daughters have been listening to all of this and they're like, we've learned so much. And now if I start having symptoms when I'm in my thirties, I'm going to know that might could be perimenopause. Absolutely. The young women are coming in now and asking all about fertility at age 28. They're certainly much more informed bunch, but what I'm really so interested in is just the elimination of some of these chemicals that we're finding over time are probably impacting our health. And some of them are ubiquitous. There are certainly ways to try to mitigate that risk. It's very appreciated what your company is doing. Before we let you go, you've had such a big and successful career across different categories in retail, direct to consumer. And I'm sure you couldn't fit it into one idea, but given what you've learned and all the experiences you have for people who are just starting out, as entrepreneurs or people who are looking for companies to invest in in this space, what is a piece of advice you can give them that they can 20 years from now or 10 years from now be the person with all the wisdom building the next greatest brand? I think it's really about answering the so what. If you're doing something that doesn't have a really clear so what, then there's really no point in doing it. And then also the consumer, like you have to be tied to the consumer. You can always be behind your closed door, assuming what everybody wants. But if you don't have that connection to the consumer, you really don't know what you're talking about. To me, it's those like that you're providing a so what and that you really understand what the consumer wants. 
Thank you so much. It's exciting. We can't wait to see what happens with Stripes and all the things that Amaris brings out. And we appreciate you taking time to speak with us. Thanks so much, Rachel. And so nice to meet you, Alyssa. You as well. Thanks again. Bye. Don't forget, subscribe to our podcast at businessofthev.com for the latest trends and trendsetters in women's health and business. Oh, 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 o